Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're here in Cleveland, but we're getting ready to go to Pittsburgh for the U.S. Open, and we're going to be talking about Oakmont with uh, our publisher and editorial director, Pat Jones, who's been to... How many U.S. Opens have you been to, Pat? Way too many. Speaking of that, what are you looking forward to this week? What, what do you think the, the golf community is looking forward to this week? I got two words for you, Guy. Old school. Um, when I think of U.S. Opens, I think of, of gnarly, unbelievable rough bunkers that eat balls and greens that are, uh, what did Gary McCord say back when? Bikini waxed. So, you know, I think we're going to get all of that. I've enjoyed seeing uh, different looks and feels for the Open over the last four or five years. Uh, but And I think that's been important to make statements with open choices about uh, you know Chambers Bay looking a little more like uh, uh, the great British look you know Pinehurst being an example of what you can do with less water and fewer irrigation heads but Oakmont is Oakmont it's old school it's gnarly it's going to be fun um, what are you looking forward to about it I'm looking forward to seeing how firm that golf course is going to play and how balls can even stop on greens and fairways. I was there in late April, and it was already firm then, which is very uncommon for Western Pennsylvania to have firm turf conditions in April. I'm actually a Western Pennsylvania native, and we usually play a hit-it-and-stick-it golf until, until about July, and it just seemed like it was a really, really dry spring. And from what I understand, it's continued to be dry. And I just want to see if balls can stay on fairways and greens and how players react to those situations. And I, I'm curious to see what the winning score is going to be. I know we faint focus on maintenance and agronomy and sometimes we don't pay as much attention to the competitive end of golf in our business but interested to see if that five over score that Angel Cabrera shot in 2007 if we could even go to higher than that with how good these players are. It's entirely possible that the the winning score will be over par. It, it, it doesn't really matter. You know the one thing I think we all have to be a little bit concerned about is when you do have you know uh, promoting the fact that the greens are going to be 14, 14 and a half it does cause that little bit of problem back for, you know, you all superintendents back there at home where you do have members that come up and say, hey, why can't our greens be 14? So, you know, one piece of advice, be ready to answer that question in whatever form you can. You know, explain to them the resources that that uh, Oakmont has that, that no other course really has in terms of the number of people they have and in terms of the, the commitment they have to tournament conditions every single day as part of their culture. So, you know, just be prepared to answer that question because it will come up from time to time. You know, years ago I wrote a column, uh, uh, I think, when they had the Open at Pinehurst in the 2000s, you know, and they, they got them real fast, and, and it, the name of the column was Don't Try This at Home. So you just need to be prepared for the fact that you, you will have amateurs asking about, uh, about that, and you need to be ready to answer that question. Pat, you've spent a lot of time in the the maintenance areas at these U.S. Opens over the years, how much bigger has it become? How much has is it, is it changed in in that environment and that, that part of a facility? Well, you know, it's turned into its own thing now. It's, it's, it's become this uh, incredibly uh, elaborate process with all the volunteers and then the suppliers coming in to support and, and help with food and, and uh, things to help folks relax and, and you know, helping to, to even to organize things a little bit. So it, it, it's really, really changed. It, a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's one of the things that goes back to Paul Latshaw Sr., uh, Paul, uh, Paul A., and uh, he was really the first guy to use volunteers for a U.S. Open, and it's grown since then. So it, it's still something that's kind of evolving. I think it's one of the great, neat things because it's one more of those camaraderie things 
that you, you really never see in another in another market where people volunteer to come in and work their butts off for a week, or in the case of Piners, a couple of years ago, two weeks, uh, and, and volunteer and, and to be able to learn from that process. And you know, sure, there's some people that do it because it's a great thing to have in your resume. But I think the vast majority of the folks I know are doing it because they love the experience and they love the challenge. Really, there, there's nothing else like that uh, in, in sports, really, or in business. It's been interesting uh, this past weekend and today on Monday, we're seeing John Zimmer's face in a lot of places, maybe where we don't see a golf course superintendent's face on a regular basis. How, how good is that for the industry that a guy like that gets to tell the story to people that just aren't in the industry during a week like this? Oh, it's critical. It's made all the difference. I, I think the last 15 years or so, and you look back at Ken Mangum being the face of the PGA Championship at Atlanta Athletic Club and and Bob uh, Farron at Pinehurst and, and Kevin to some extent too. Matt Schaefer, uh, the, U the USGA really putting Matt out in front of the open at Marion was awesome. And, and now you're seeing that here too with, with John. And I think, I think it's wonderful because they're helping to educate millions and millions of golfers around the world uh, about the practical aspects of, of golf course maintenance. And, and, it, and it puts a face on our profession for a lot of folks. So. Uh, you, you may get a little frustrated sometimes as a, as a superintendent that a club that's not Oakmont or Pinehurst or Augusta National with, with recognition, but every bit of that helps. It helps to tell our story and it helps to educate folks and it helps to make people understand why, why again, you should not try to have these kinds of conditions at home. But so it's, it's not so much a measure of what we should do, it's a measure of what we can do. What type of lessons do you think the superintendents that are going to be watching this at home or at work this weekend can take from a place like Oakmont? Is there anything that happens there that, that the average golf course superintendent can relate to? Well, you know, a guy mentioned, uh, you mentioned to me uh, that every single image you'd seen the last few days from Oakmont, there was somebody hand-watering in the background. And so, you know, what Oakmont, I, I think, shows is with the right amount of staff, you know, 30 plus uh, full-time staff with, with, with turf degrees, uh, the right staff and the, and the right motivation, the right leadership, you can manage a, a golf course down to the centimeter. And, and I think that's really what you're kind of going to see is, 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 is what can happen with all, with all the right resources in place and what you can do to manage not only moisture but also soil conditions, uh, nutrition, uh, mowing hide cut obviously, but if you're gonna if you're gonna mow four times and roll twice daily, you know what you are gonna see is just how fast putting surfaces can get. I'm gonna interject a personal anecdote here. 1994, the U.S. Open at Oakmont was what got me into golf. I went there with my father, and I just kind of caught the bug right after that. And you know, 22 years later, I got to go back in April and experience the course on media day. And it was nothing like the golf course I remember. They've taken 14,000 trees out. There are these amazing vistas and views now. And it's really going to be a um, almost like a, a stadium type setting for the, the U.S. Open. Pat, what, what are your thoughts when you see a golf course make a commitment to cutting down trees like that and doing it to restore a course to what it looked like when the original architects designed it. What are your thoughts about when courses do that? And there are a lot of them doing it, just not Oakmont. I, I think any reason to cut down a, a tree on a golf course is a good reason. I, don't, you know, I really don't think you need a lot of incentive. In this case, it's not only the right thing to do 
uh, from a design perspective, but, but it makes it so much healthier. And I think that's one thing you go back to your question about what, what does it mean when you have a, a, a John Zimmers or a Bob Farron or others out front. People begin to look at that expertise that they have and they begin to understand, oh, well, maybe that is the right thing to do. Maybe it's okay for us to take out a, a, a more of our trees. And, and it helps to give that, you all listening at home right now, it helps to give you that evidence and that, that, that backup, those facts that you can use. Well, it worked at Oakmont. It worked all of these other uh, great courses where they've had good solid tree removal programs. It's one more thing that will help you make your case. So, you know, uh, I think it was... Uh, uh, Donald Ross, who said that uh, you know trees are not uh, uh, acceptable obstacles on golf courses, and they really don't belong there. And, and as far as I'm concerned, case closed. We saw it a bit at Chambers Bay last year. We saw it at the Players' Championship last month when the golf course does get firm and some crazy things happen out there. Sometimes some high-profile golfers or some golfers that are just really frustrated complain about, about how the course was set up and, and the firmness of it. How important is it for people in our industry not to take player complaints personally? Sometimes these athletes have a job to do and they had a tough day at work. Do you see any of that coming at Oakmont and, and what can be done to make sure that you know when a, a golfer does complain that, that a lot of people don't take it personally? Well, whiners are whiners just take them for what they are stay off of twitter don't get mad at them you know there, there's no point in trying to engage with brandel chambly or billy horschel or any of these people just let it let their actions speak for themselves i i think you 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 take the high road and and, and you let the the, the vast major, majority of american golfers see the great things that happen when, when courses are managed well and let that speak for itself. What do you think we'll be talking about on Sunday night when this ends? Probably the most challenging U.S. Open we've seen in a long time. Again, it's entirely possible the score will be over par. I think you're going to see a lot of balls putted off greens. Uh, what I fear is that you could get to the point where a few holes, that you were, where you've got really high slopes on greens, a few holes might get very, very tricky, and that that will create some controversy. And you never want the golf course to be the focus of the event. So what I, what I hope is by you know, Sunday night, we're talking about the fact that the golf course was the golf course. It didn't influence the outcome of the tournament. It was what it needed to be, and that it was a great test of golf for the Open Championship. Do you think we'll see any crazy shots like pros putting it from 118 yards? Or do you think we'll see uh, bunker shots played out backwards or something out of a rough coming out backwards just because uh, that'll give you a better better next shot? Well, do you think we'll see anything zany like that that we haven't seen in a long time in a U.S. Open? Well, a lot of us got to see uh, a certain uh, fellow named Guy Cipriano hit a 118-yard putt in the media preview. And if you all haven't seen that, you need to go uh, search for that on uh, our Twitter feed, but no, you are going to see some of that stuff. There's unquestionably going to be some really creative shot making, and what you're going to see is, you know, every single shot that somebody hits tries to hit below a hole and keep it there, and every once in a while that's not going to happen, and you're going to see some hellaciously fun shots, so it really is going to be a fun open, and I really do wish John and Dave and the whole team there the best because nobody is better prepared to do this than they are, and no golf course can be as difficult as Oakmont when they get it to where they want it. So I'm really looking forward to it, Guy, and, and I hope you are too. Yeah, and the, and the last thing here for our listeners and readers is that Pat will be posting updates on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll, I'll be there Thursday, and we're going to keep the thing going all weekend at GCI Magazine on Twitter. So it, anyone looking to engage, we're going to provide forums for that. And uh, how cool is it, Pat, that, that superintendents on different sides – 
sides of the country now can talk about the U.S. Open with each other as they watch it. That's got to be another new change and something that's been exciting over the last few years. Hells yes. If you're not on the tweeter, you should get on there because it's fun and it's a great way to share information, not just about a topic like this, but about anything. So if you're not on there, get on there now. You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com. Talk to us at srn at gie.net or at GCI Magazine on Twitter. Thanks for listening.